Welcome back to Divided We Stand. I know I say it every time, but that explosion, it just gets me every time. I can't even hold it in. Like, I feel like every time I come on here, I'm already given a chuckle. I just That's can't even hold it back. <laughs> That's how your performance <laughs> is. It is, uh, it's like a nuclear blast. That's exactly, exactly what I was thinking. Anyways, so today, if you were wondering why we have a fourth today, we are with Mr. Jim Fahey. He was a police officer for 27 years. He served as the vice president of the Maine Association for Police for 25 years. He also sat on the FBI's Joint Terrorist Task Force and the Federal Violent Crimes Task Force. Officer Fahey retired in December of 2014. and. He's kind enough to be with us here tonight. So I wish I had a soundboard so I could like give you a round of applause right now. But okay. thank you very much. Yay. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. Nice to see you, Joe. Great to see you too. So just so everybody knows, uh, I, I lived in Maine for a while and, and I got to know Jim, who uh, in addition to being a police officer, uh, was and is a DJ. Uh, so you'll see he'll be very, very comfortable uh, on on screen with us here tonight. So, Jim, it's great to see you. Um, I'm hoping to get up to Maine hopefully this summer and uh, we can hang out and uh, relive the, the good old days. That would be great. That would be great. So, first of all, I just wanted to ask you, how how is your retirement been? Like, what, how has that been? <laughs> it's uh, It was harder than I thought because... Um, I got divorced right before I was ready to retire. So I had to stay a couple of more years until mm -hmm. I found something, you know, financially, because I had three kids and I wanted to, to continue to be the dad that I always was. And I bounced around for a little bit uh, before I found a niche in a little small town in Harrison, Maine as their code enforcement officer. And I don't think I've ever been so comfortable or happy in a job in my life. Wonderful people. So life is good. So what got you started in what made you want to be a cop? Was this like your dream when you were growing up? Did you wear a police officer Halloween costume when you were a kid? How, why did you want to do this? My dad was a firefighter and I lost my dad three months ago and he was my hero. And uh, I was working radio and he would always give me a ration of crap and say, when you're gonna get a real job, when you're gonna get a career, a job that you don't require, you know, you're not only as good as your last ratings book, and he pushed the fire service on me, but I'm afraid of heights. I don't like ladders. Um, and so what, we would always joke. I said, I spelt my name right on the test, so they made me a cop. So I, I chose law enforcement. <laughs> I chose law enforcement because uh, I, I really did want to make a difference. I, I wanted to, to be active in my community. Uh, everybody says they want to go in to save people. I went in because I wanted a career with a pension. So at 50 years old, I could walk away that's why I asked else. about the retirement because I yeah. I knew about that and I knew that that was honestly a big motivator for wanting people or for people to be cops. My dad has been like, you should just go be a cop, and I'm Daryl. Why why would I do that? Other than the pension, <laughs> but like, yeah, that's that's was the anyways. Um, Not a lot of money while you're working, but it's a great supplemental income once you've completed your time, once you've done your sentence, and you get out and go do something else. It can make life a lot more comfortable, but it's it's hard while you're doing it. The hours, the stress, um, the alcoholism, the suicide rates, the divorce rate, every holiday, 24-7. So it is a calling, um, and it's not really a career or a job. It's a lifestyle, and, and it will change your life, for good or for worse. You know? Now, yesterday, um, I was talking to Jim about coming on the show, and I brought up the idea of blue lives and black lives, and I said to Jim, you know, being a blue life, obviously, is something you chose. It's not something that you're born into. But once you're into it, I mean, it is. It's a family. It's a very family-type atmosphere. Um, people are very protective of each other in, in that world. And, I mean, it's like any other union, you know? And, and for some reason, the American people don't like that one. We can obviously get into some of the reasons, and I'm sure we certainly will over the next hour. But you were telling me there's places in Maine right now where they are closing police stations because they can't get recruits. That's true. That's not just happening here. Um, they just they don't have the numbers. Uh, 1987, when I applied to be a police officer, there were three to five open positions. There were 225 to 250 people that showed up to take the test. 
When I retired in 2014, we had five open positions. Twelve people showed up to take the test. Twelve. Wow. Um, so the, 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 the numbers just aren't there. The people don't want to do the job. Hell, if I was, had to do it all over again, I don't know if I'd do it. I mean, I look at what's going on in America right now. I don't know if I would take that job all over again. Now, question for you, Jim. Yes, sir. Now, would that be, um, would that, you not taking the job now, you know, if you were doing it all over again, would it be more because of the, 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 the civil, um, I guess, like strain or like civil pressure, or is it more of like just the, I guess, the policy change and like, I guess, the accountability now? Um, or I have like a the, problem the, with the policy change, and there's always been accountability. What I have a problem with is the, the rash decision that our president and others want to make to do away with qualified immunity. And I'll tell you why. Qualified immunity is not a, a catch-all that says, I'm going to go out and help me a black guy today, or I'm going to go help me a Hispanic guy, or I'm going to go kill anybody. It doesn't allow for that, but people have twisted it to believe that that's the case. What it does is it protects you with that split-second decision. If you're acting within the scope of the law, you're acting within your department policies and procedures, and you're using common sense, you, and, and there's got to be that factor into it. But people believe it means, oh, at least I've qualified immunity, so I can stop Joe if I don't like the fact that his license expired, I can shoot him. No, that's not the case. I have to follow the law just like everybody else. I actually have to be held to a higher standard because I'm the only profession in this country, or was the only profession, where they give me that great responsibility to take away somebody's freedom. Name one other profession where they can take away your freedom. We're it. And well, that's a huge responsibility. That is a huge responsibility, and I feel like that's why everything mm -hmm. is being put into place and why we have skepticism and stuff is because, unfortunately, there have been way too many instances on record of cops taking advantage of that power and doing something like killing somebody for not having a valid ID. Um, can, can, before we go to the next, when, when you say you have the power of taking somebody's freedom, right, is that right. technically the power of the police officer or is that the power when you say there's another another uh job right that technically would be the job of the judge right to take away the well, freedoms of somebody not not the officer on a long-term basis mm -hmm. i have the power to take away your freedom right then and there with the power of arrest okay you can't leave if i say you're under arrest that's a huge now, the abuse okay now with with that same thing right um with, with, with the I, excuse me if I don't know the correct terminology um, with, with the with the, the the law that you were just saying that they're they're trying to correct, qualified right? immunity qualified immunity right. there we go with qualified immunity right now there's a certain standard with you know with within qualified immunity and within certain bounds um, would you agree or disagree that sometimes within the system that those boundaries get kind of extended due to cir certain circumstances now would you you Sure, I would agree with that. But what people need to understand about qualified immunity, and it, it's like I said, it's not a, 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 you know, a get out of jail free card for the cops to do whatever they want. And mm -hmm. you do understand that teachers have it, firefighters have it, the lawmakers have it who make these laws that they then tell us to go enforce, and the judges have it. So let's say Joe gets arrested on a rape charge, mm -hmm. and the jury finds him guilty. And he does 10 years, and DNA clears him he wasn't the guy. He can't go back and sue the judge, the jury, the prosecutor, or anybody else now. That's qualified immunity. But they mm -hmm. want to be able to sue the cops who have to make that decision in a tenth of a second, whereas these people had weeks to look over the evidence and make up their mind. That's what scares me. Well, so that's another one of these things that I I think that, and, and this is sometimes where I think the police, A, run into problems, and B, uh, where there's an immediate contentious situation. But when you guys serve warrants, and I don't know how much of that you've, you've had to do in your in your career, Jim, but, you know, people well, don't want to be arrested. Nobody and, does. Right? I think, if I'm not mistaken, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, this is like an OT thing to go serve warrants? No, sometimes you're essentially assignment. Like, okay, okay, I didn't know that. Because I've read where, like, there's grant money, and you can get some of that money, but in your overtime, you'd have to go serve a warrant. Which, again, who does that serve? Well, it depends. It's no different than uh, grant money to enforce seatbelt laws or OUI roadblocks or 
child safety checks, anything like that. So it's just <laughs> grant money they use. Yeah, to but but sometimes, but sometimes this puts you guys in some of the worst places possible to serve warrants on some of the worst criminals. And again, well, it's it's in the name of the lawmakers. Those yeah. are the people that are sending you guys in there and giving you guys the money to, again, go in there and have these contentious situations, which obviously don't sit well with the citizens. And then right there, you start to get that buildup. And I and I just wonder if, you know, maybe maybe serving warrants shouldn't be something at like a martial level. Well, kind of the well, that. There's, there's different types of warrants. You have federal warrants. You have state warrants. You could have get a, gotten arrested. Oh, put it this way. You, you could have gotten a traffic ticket. Didn't pay your fine. In Maine, they'll put a warrant out for you for your arrest because you didn't pay your fine. So that just makes the cops the bill collectors for the state. They want their money. That's how they run this. So what they do? They'll put me or Steve Webster or anybody else that was working uh, in that line of work and say, go get our money for us. Here's the arrest warrant. Go get them. Well, if they didn't have the money to pay the fine then, they don't have the money to pay the fine now. It's not the cops at fault. It's the legislators and the laws that are on the books that say, go do this. If you don't want it done, take the laws off the books. It's that simple. So with that being said, right, and, and kind of with the two and, and two things that I think about, right, when we say that, right, restructure and read. We're going to talk restructure and then. You can't hear him. Oh, yeah. Oh, Rob, you're you're chopping up pretty bad there, bud. I cut. Uh-oh. Can you guys hear me? That's no, pretty bad. Can you guys hear me? All right, go. I'll come back. Um, I think what he wanted to talk about was restructuring, you know, and again, this idea of, and Victoria, I don't want to speak for you, but the idea of defunding the police is quite possibly the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, that would not serve any of the purposes and have any of the results that I think people are looking for and what I think should actually happen. And Jim and I talked about this yesterday. And Victoria, this is really more for you, actually. I'd like to see more money go into policing. I think there needs to be more police on the street so that these guys can get out of their cars and walk in neighborhoods. And I also think the other thing that towns and municipalities should dump money into is education. And I think if you improve in those two areas and you have a more um, educated society of people who are not going to sit on their ass, uh, who are going to go out there and get a career, if you're doing something that you're into, you're less likely to commit a crime. And you're also able to sustain yourself with education uh, or, or even a trade. I don't mean a, to, to down trades because I'm a, I'm a trade school guy myself in broadcasting. Um, but when, when people are, are living and working for something, they're not committing crimes. And so you put more cops out there. You train these guys better. You, you give these guys, you know, I was reading too, Jim, and I found this to be mind-blowing. But in Georgia, they're paying cops $13 an hour. Yeah. I understand the, 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 the cost of living is cheaper, but that's still well, $13 an hour to give a guy a gun. I don't know if that's a great idea. Well, you know, I look Hi. at it this way. Um, we, yeah. Um, pay has always been an issue. Pay has always been an issue. Uh, and depending on, um, you know, do you really, yeah, like you said, I don't know what the cost of living is down in Georgia, but I can tell you this. When I started uh, with the Maine Association of Police, I know we took on a northern Maine department called Holton. And those officers there qualified for fuel assistance and food stamps when we when they joined the union. And these guys were, were working for, they were on welfare. The cops were on welfare. How were you supposed to have a well-educated, dedicated workforce in any profession when it pays below the poverty level? Well, I want to go back to the whole statement of defunding the police. And I do agree that there could have been such better terminology for it. But the whole statement of defunding the police is actually that in itself is giving more money to the training. And you made a joke when we first came in and you were like, I made a cop or I became a cop because I spelled my name right on the test. And so you do understand that there is not enough training that goes into being able to, as you put it, take away somebody's freedom. That is 
insane, you know? So, that line was also aimed at the firefighters more than the, than anybody else, you know, because uh, that's a running joke between us and the guys <laughs> yeah, from totally, firefighting. But, you know, so. but no, I agree. I, and maybe it's, the, maybe it's the not the training. It maybe, maybe it's society as a whole as to what they expect of their cops. Maybe it needs to change because way back when, before Reagan was president, they used to have mental health facilities for people that have now been dumped on the police that take up more than 55 to 60% of their calls, mental health issues. We don't right. have those. Augusta Mental Health Institute, Bangor Mental Health Institute, where these people can go and get professional help. They've all been closed, they've all been cut. So who's it fall on now? Not the firefighters. Sure as hell isn't the teachers. It's not anybody working in broadcasting. It's the cops who get all the shit afterwards. It flows downhill. It's just like being a plumbers. Everybody needs a good plumber. That's why they make such great money. But what's the simplest rule about plumbing? Follow gravity, because that's where it rolls. Well, you're like the bottom of the sewer when you're a cop, because everything nobody else wants to do, the cops will do it. Just make the cops do it. Dude, I was telling you, Jim, yesterday about Wallingford, Connecticut, where, and they may have literally just stopped this practice in the last couple months, but the police officers literally hand serve notices to the people on the town council and the board of ed notice of the meeting that week. They don't use email. And that literally is, and I thought about that and I'm like, this mayor's like the Gestapo. You know what I mean? Like the cops just go out and do his bidding. Why don't they go pick up your dry cleaning while they're at it? Like what kind of, again, the idea that, and, and this is, this is why, the one thing about defunding the police I did like was the notion of instead of putting that on you guys is that you guys respond to the call, but a mental health professional also comes there. Somebody who's trained to talk to a cuckoo bird so that you can, because I mean, your guys Stop. fallback is your guys fallback is let's try to talk to him for a minute. And if he goes for a weapon or comes at us, we're going to shoot him. The mental well, health, right? and, I, yeah. and listen, and Jim, you know how I feel about the police. When you guys are in danger, you got to shoot. I, I, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Okay. And we could go. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go killing by killing here, but there's no. times where, like the Michael Brown case, to me, I've always felt Officer Wilson was in the right on that. There was yeah. never any evidence, <laughs> never any evidence that that kid had his hands up. From what everything that I saw evidence. from that. Uh, that dude literally went in and punched Wilson in his car and the gun went off in the car. That kid's probably going to end up dead in that situation. You look at an Eric Garner and you're like, oh my, come on, what the? So, I mean, to me, each one's different. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, it's on you guys to decide. It's a very subjective term when, you're, when your life is threatened. Two that things, doesn't so. necessarily just mean I'm holding a gun to you, Jim, right? Your life could still feel threatened in other situations. So, again, the idea of having a mental health professional there to assist in the negotiation or the surrender would be well served. And, again, it's just money that, that the towns and municipalities in the states don't want to spend on the people who are giving them the freaking money. Well, you got to remember something, too, though. The scene's got to be secured. I can't send you in as a trained health professional, mental health professional, to negotiate with somebody who's holding a hostage. We got to secure that scene first. It's got to be safe for you. You have no way to defend yourself. All right, your intentions may be well and good, but you can't defend yourself if if you don't have. You know, it's got to be secured for you. Like like with the EMTs and and firefighters, you know, we have to clear a scene for them sometimes, and sometimes they have to do things for us. So they they work in tandem. But and it's all well and good, and it all makes perfect sense. It's implementation. How do you do that? I don't have the answer. Hmm. I wish I did. Victoria, um, do you have the answer? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I do kind of want to talk about, there's like a couple things that have been newly added ever since all of this has been going on. And I do kind of want to go one by one and ask you like how you feel about it. And it ha if it's changed your job at all, if any of it is currently being implemented or what. But how do you feel about the body cameras and stuff like that? Do you think that Love it's it. helping? Do you think that that does sure. anything? And does everybody sure. wear them? Like, it does that is that a thing now that it has to be enforced? Well, it all depends on the department and whether the town spends the money to buy them because they're not cheap. They're very expensive. And then you got the expense of storing all the data. 
somebody's got to pay to store all right. that data so you can pull it up if needed. I think they're great. We were one of the first departments in right. the state years ago. This is how long ago it was. We had mini VHS recorders mounted on the top of our dashboard so we could record all our traffic stops. Some of the guys were upset. I'm like, what are you upset about? And it turned out those cleared. There were several complaints that would come in on officers. For that, and this is one of the most common, and it's across the country. I arrest somebody for OUI or DWI in some states. And they would come in and file a complaint saying the officer was rough, the officer was rude, the officer used too much aggression. It was, uh, you know, they assaulted me, they lied. And we'd be able to pull the tape up and say, here you go, take a look. Well, mm -hmm. not only was the officer clear to the IA, the person, if they actually filled it out and signed the statement, was charged with filing a false police report. So uh, I think 100% of the time it benefits the police officer and police in general because the officer that isn't a good officer, and nobody hates a bad cop worse than a good cop. Nobody. I don't want a bad cop wearing a badge. He gives me a bad name. He gives my town a bad name. He gives the profession a bad name. And he shouldn't be there. It helps when they're wrong, they're wrong, and they should be prosecuted or fired for it when they're wrong. End of story. You don't want, Good cops don't want the, want the bad cops uh, with a gun and a badge either. So we're all in agreement on that. What is your, like, definition of a bad cop? For me, it's somebody, uh, it's several. The lazy cop that doesn't get out and do anything, just collects his paycheck, isn't proactive in his community. Uh, one that lies, one that will lie on the stand because he's all about numbers and getting that conviction, not about the truth. If you're not about the truth, you don't belong in that profession. If you're not about really, truly making your corner of the world a better place, you don't belong in the profession. So if you don't fit that criteria, you're a bad cop. Right. Um, so I also kind of wanted to ask you, like, what is your stance on the whole Blue Lives Matter thing? Outside of, I know Joe kind of brought up it being a family, but like, are you the, do you have a bumper sticker? I guess no. is the better question. I don't, do have anything on my, I don't have <laughs> anything on my vehicle that marks me as a cop or a retired cop because mm -hmm. I don't want to make myself a target. Right, for safety reasons. Okay. Yeah. So there's nothing on my house or nothing on my vehicles that indicate that I was or do support law enforcement for that reason. It's sad. You'll mm -hmm. see in Maine, they have firefighter plates. They don't have police plates. And there's a reason. We wouldn't want them. You know, right. um, Blue Lives Matter to me, it is a family. It is a lifestyle. Um, and, and the best part about being part of Blue Lives Matter, you can be Hispanic, you can be black, you can be Asian, you can be white. You're still all blue. Isn't that what America is? A melting pot of all races, all religions, all creeds? So that's well, what I like about that. Do you understand, like the the um, like the hate behind the name Blue Lives Matter? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you understand why people get so upset about that? Because I totally understand the concept and what you're saying right now. How everybody could be a part of it, but I feel like the outrage comes with it. Almost seems like a mockery of Black Lives Matter. And I just like, what's your? I would, I would agree with that if the thin blue line and Blue Lives Matter didn't exist exist prior to the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, Don't exist before the Black Lives Matter movement ever came into existence. So mm. it's basically like taking the thin blue line flag and saying it's a racist symbol because after it was done years ago and symbolized an officer killed in the line of duty, somebody else took it and, and perverted the use of it. Still right. doesn't change the use that it was originally intended for. Same thing. Look, black lives do matter. I support the movement. I don't support the people in charge of the movement because based on what I've read and seen, they don't care about black lives. They care about filling their own pocketbooks, my mm -hmm. opinion and mine alone. Right. No, valid. <laughs> you know? Um, well, I, I don't want to be that typical Northern Mainer guy that says, hey, look, I got a black friend. I got a Jewish friend. I have yeah. plenty of friends yeah. of all races. But um, I live in a state that is 95% white. With 1.3 million people here, how are we supposed to diversify when our population isn't diversified? How is it being in Maine versus like in the South or anything? I don't know if you've ever been over there or experienced anything like that, but how, He's no how would you say it is? No bumpkin. <laughs> I lived in Pensacola, Florida for a year plus. Right. right. I got pulled over by the police down there one night. I got ripped from my car. I got placed face down with a foot on the back of my head and told not to move because the car I drove matched the car that was in a strong arm robbery. The only thing that saved my butt, I still had main plates on my car and they had a Florida registration. The cop didn't see that. He just saw the car coming at him. He did what he had to do. 
I did what I was told. When all was said and done, he said, I'm really sorry for that. Thanks for your cooperation. And off I went. I went home and I changed my clothes because I think crap my pants, you know. <laughs> so real quick, um, when I, I lived in Maine for a few years, went up there with a broadcasting job, and that's where um, I you met know, I the miss wonderful. You, man. I miss you. I know. We had some really great times up there. Um, I'm and gonna I go remember, dark, I'm going to walk outside, so hang on. Yeah, yeah. I, I asked Jim uh, one night, like, what do you do when you're talking to the police? And, you know, he, he, he was very clear with me, like, listen, you know, if you were speeding and the cops, like, you know why I pulled you over? Yeah, I was speeding. Now, one end will tell you never admit stuff to the police because everything you say can and will be used against you. But when, when you're just being up front, if you're not high or drunk, uh, your best chance is to just be honest, right? I mean, again, you're in a situation where you don't know what you don't know what I'm all about. I went through a stop sign and you're just going to let me, you're probably going to let me off. Hey, stop at the next one. Maybe I think you got that warrant on me and that's what you're right. I mean, and so this is where, this is where we run into trouble is, um, you know, something, something. And and, and I I think oftentimes people don't understand um, when, when you're in the middle of that process, Jim, and you're dealing with somebody else and you don't know if they're being irritable because they're late to get back to work or they're late on their way to work or if they have a warrant and they're itching to maybe make a move here. You guys have no idea. No. And that's one of the things I most sympathize and empathize with cops is it's easy to look at things in, in that immediate moment and be like, well, he's a racist. It's a it's a tough job. Um do you think that there's a biased thinking, though? Are you more likely to look at a suspect's skin color and think, mm, based on statistics, should I be more worried? Or are you literally just looking person to person like, you know, hey, this white guy's really twitchy right now. This could be a problem. Well, in Maine, normally it is a white guy. Uh, but for me, over my course of my career, it was very simple. I treated whoever I stopped the same way they treated me. If they treated me with respect and had a sense of humor, so did I. I didn't write a lot of tickets. I made a lot of traffic stops, but I didn't write a lot of tickets. My standard line was, and this this would probably get me in trouble, except I'm not on the job anymore. I think I took care of more tickets for friends than I ever wrote in my career. But I, I stopped the cars because, yeah, you know. Like, you, this I guy, the I swear to God, Victoria, like, no kidding, about 30 tickets while I lived in Maine, this guy. That's not true, oh, my that's gosh. Not I'll keep that in mind if I ever go to Maine. Hey, I know Jim. That's not so. true, but. You know, it's just, look, it was it was one of these things to get to know your people. We had the, the young rookie cop, and I was one of them. You stop everything. You stop everything because you're so excited, and you're green, and you and you, you need the on-the-job training because Academy does a great job, but it doesn't teach you how to read people. It doesn't teach you how to relate to the people in your, in your neighborhood. Look, there were five districts in South Portland. Each district was a little different. That's my daughter, Diane. Say hi, Diane. You're, you're hi. in Connecticut. Hi, <laughs> Sorry, Diane. Diane. <laughs> Hello, Diane. Look, guess the parents. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so um, she's starting to be a veterinarian, so I'm very proud of her. So. Oh, excellent. We're very proud of you, Diane. Loves you. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, so it, it, the Ferry Village was uh, one of those um, neighborhoods that didn't have a lot of money. Whereas you go over to, like, Country Gardens, that's a blue-collar neighborhood. Then you go over to the, the seaside, and that was a very wealthy neighborhood. So each neighborhood had different attitudes, different treatment of police. I was blessed to work in a very safe department, a safe city with great people, very brave men and women. And, and our job, you know, we, did we have a couple of bad cops that came through? Yeah, and they got weeded out. They lost their jobs over time. Um, so, but yeah, even in a small city like South Portland, Maine, you had the business district and you had the residential districts. You had different attitudes in just different parts of the city. So, um, on you weren't supposed to write attitude summonses, but sometimes you did because you pull up and somebody was just so rude or disrespectful. I said, screw it. Let's, I'm not going to argue it here with you. We'll argue it in court. Here's your date. Have a nice day. Um, now, real quick, I got to tell a quick anecdote because uh, Jim switched shifts and uh, it might have been the first or second night some young rookie was would, had taken over Jim's time. I left the radio station and homeboy pulled me over quick. 
and wasn't in the mood to chit chat. I didn't even get to play. Do you know who I am or anything? Ticket in my hand. And I drive 10 more minutes home and I call Jim and I'm like, I got a ticket. Never mind whatever I did wrong, but I got a ticket. And and here's what Jim did. And this is why, like I say to you guys, he's a good cop. Jim called that kid and kind of scolded him. And he was like, do you know who that guy was that you pulled over? No, because you didn't even ask. You don't know the people in your in your neighborhood, and you need to. That's how you police. Again, I said this earlier. I'll say it again. I've been banging this drum for a while. I think we got to get back to community policing. You got to fund the police. Cops need to know the people in their communities. When you know, Look, when you're on social media, Jim, right, it's easy to like, you know. Oh, yeah, I, the keyboard sure. Yeah. Right, people have balls, but when it's somebody that you know, and you see me late at night, Officer Fahey, you're like, Joe, what the hell are you doing out at 2 a.m.? Get your ass home. That's the difference between that and you just starting to, you know, what's he grabbing for? Shoot him. You know what I mean? And I, and I think if we can get back to the good old days, that's the good old days I'm thinking about where the cops walked the beat and they were swinging their nightsticks. Maybe you guys don't want to walk. Maybe you get scooters, but whatever. I just think getting out there in the community, I, I've over the last couple of years, Jim, I, I have a lot of friends, obviously, in the news business, different journalists and stuff, and they're constantly trying to deal with the police. And I know you guys are limited in your capacity to what you could tell reporters. And I've I've had meetings where I bring in news directors and I bring in communications officers and I'm like, guys, listen, work together, you know, these guys aren't le- – they're doing the story regardless. You can control the narrative or don't, but yep. you guys need each other because let's be honest, if there's, if there's one group in America that's got a worse reputation than the police, it's the media. Right now? Yeah, you might be and, right on that. I mean, the way, the way the media and the police butt heads, I'm like, oh, my God, you guys, work together. Work together. Help each other out. People have a great mistrust of both organizations right now. And those organizations should be highlighting the good stuff and not the bad stuff. Agreed. But there are also just some bad cops out there, Joe. I hate to admit it because I love the profession, but there are. And they need to be weeded out. And they need to be weeded out quicker in their career rather than later because that's what this is all about. And there are bad organizations out there that have a – have their own agenda that want to get rid of the police for what reason? Well, probably because they're a criminal enterprise. So I don't have the answers. I just know that if given the opportunity, if if the sides could, bless you, could sit down, then maybe they could get to know each other. And and, and if you get to know each other, then maybe you get to like each other and then maybe you become friends and then maybe a whole new relationship develops and, and there's trust in the profession once again. Not for nothing, but every time you guys get out of your car in a black neighborhood and kids are playing hoops and you guys start shooting hoops with them, it goes viral. It's like 50 million views on that. Yeah, People, people love those stories and people like the police. You know, people have always liked the police. I mean, again, you know, Victoria, you made fun of Jim at the start like of the show. White people like the police. Slow like down. White people love well, to see enough. that well, and then be like, "Oh, I'm, look at that! Oh, look at these dude with the black Have kid. you seen? Have him. you seen the sign of that cute little black kid who's got Jeez. that sign that says "I matter"? And the white cop walks over to him and like picks him up. Those are the moments America lives for. This is the problem, we're, though, because listen, a lot of we're, listen, are... we're a, look, we're a photo op. We're a photo op society. Oh, we sure. Like we're we're no longer stuff. the, the – uh, you can't do an editorial anymore. you got to do a 20-second 20 20 snippet or else but you're what nothing. What we can't do is sit up here and play like a cop or a white cop or whatever, doing his thing in a black neighborhood or going up to a, a black child is the same thing as people holding prejudice against – grown black people thinking that they're going to do something to them just because of the color of their skin. That is like the main issue here is all of the stereotypes that are just implemented in society and implemented in like cops minds and the lack of training and stuff like that, that makes them do outwardly racist things. Even if, even if they'll go and play hoops with the black family, like whatever, it doesn't mean that everything is fine. That's the no, it certainly doesn't, but it's better than if they're just in the neighborhood shooting at them. 
I mean, absolutely. Again, that's what I'm saying. It's like Wait a minute. What's the bias she's referring to? Because I'm hearing her saying that the police are biased. What bias are you referring to? Because I'm I'm sure I have some, but I'm not sure what they are. My bias is against assholes of all colors. I don't absolutely, care. Absolutely. But I think that is. That's the fear of that people have, though, is because there are certain biases in society or stereotypes. That's that's why people get targeted is because cops fear that certain race groups will have something on them or be capable of something that maybe I wouldn't be. You know, well, let me that's ask you this. the issue. Maybe not you personally, but there no, no, are for no, sure. No. And you know what? There are bigots and, and biased people out there. You're absolutely right. And they come in all colors, all shapes, all sizes. The next time you're in your car, driving somewhere. I want you to look at the car in front of you. I want you to look at the car in front of you and I, I want you to be able to tell me, is that person man, woman, black, white, yellow, or green? Can you tell from sitting in your car, looking at the car in front of you, what color that person is or what sex that person is? Well, I'm not talking about necessarily just traffic stops, but I'm when you get I'm up to the car and how you handle Can situations you or when my That's hand goes question. on a seat buckle. I, you know, I the argument just, of the argument wait. of you only stop because I'm black. Look, I don't even know what color your car is. It's nighttime. I can't tell what color you are. Ray, hold on, Jim. I I pulled up uh uh at a at a light yesterday, and the car went ahead of me. It was a night. It was like a BMW, and I saw long black hair, and I was like, oh. And I got to the next light, and I looked over, and it was a dude. Exactly. So it's hard to tell from behind what I mean, somebody yeah. is. But I get I that. that's definitely not the only issue that people are having is you only pulled me over because I'm this color. It's people that are getting shot and killed because usually that doesn't happen as like while you're getting pulled over. It takes time for that. And for you to actually see the person, that's more what I'm talking about. Hang on. All I right. Gotta grab something. Hang on. I got to grab a piece of paper here. I, I figured these questions were coming. So I wanted to have a little research and I just want to share some numbers with you because America seems to think that the cops are out there hunting black people. No, and so, I, this is the thing that we talk about every single week is that the cops should be killing nobody and that there should be outrage for everybody. You know what I mean? Crimes. If you don't want to get killed, don't commit a crime. But we have laws on the books that say you can't commit murder, yet people do it every day. What are we supposed to do? Let them go the because thing. you don't want them to shoot him because he killed my daughter or your daughter or Joe's kid? There's now, a difference between somebody who, like, kills somebody and somebody who... Um, could potentially have like a $20 counterfeit like bill or something like that per se. Agreed. However, <laughs> let's look let's look at the numbers, okay? In 2017, 457 white people were shot by the police. 223 black people. That's 2 to 1. 209, excuse me, 179 Hispanics, 44 others. Police kill far more white people than they do minorities in this country on a daily basis. Now let's turn the numbers around because that's the representative of America. Okay, so it's equal, equal. People are getting shot and killed by the police in equal numbers. Why? They're either committing a crime or the cop is bad. We know that. It's one or the other. How many cops were killed this year? Let's say their names, because there's been 147 so far, and it's not even the end of June. 147 cops have been killed in the line of duty. 50 in January, 32 in February, 22 in March, 20 in April, 19 in May. I don't have the most recent figures. Nobody says their name. No president calling my family if I'm shot and killed, saying, geez, we're really sorry. It could have been my son. Why? And if it sounds well, like I'm angry, I'm not angry. I'm frustrated because we want equality, but we don't treat the cops equal as we do the victims who are, some of them aren't even victims. I mean, look, George Floyd did not deserve to die in that manner. And that cop is now doing life and he should. But George Floyd was no angel. But what happened to him was wrong, absolutely wrong. But we've made a martyr out of a man whose career was criminal activity. Explain um, it to me. Well, I, it, it's still completely unjustified. And I definitely do think that there are different examples. And I could read a couple off to you if you like. But like somebody like Sandra Bland, who was just driving down the street and then she got pulled over, ripped out of her car and then killed in a jail cell, held there for three days, like crazy stuff like that. I just. And that's wrong. 
That's People wrong. always ask the question, like, why do we only have, like, one day for Memorial Day, but gay people and black people get a whole month? And that's because, and I will say the same thing about cops, is that's because you choose to put yourself in that position. People don't choose to be gay, black, Hispanic, or any of the other thing. You choose to be enlisted, and you choose to be a cop. It, you I know agree. what I'm saying? And that is why I, I feel the way I do. And, you know, that's kind of my response to that. No, I agree. It is a lifestyle I chose. So, but is it okay to kill somebody simply because no, they're black? it's not okay. It's no, and it's not okay to kill a police officer either. But that's okay. what I think when you read me those numbers of no, how I'm many cops are being killed and why nobody I talks about it. I also read the numbers really. about how many civilians were killed too. I read the numbers about the civilians first because look, at a perfect world, nobody gets killed. Look at Berkeley, California. They no longer are going to have police make traffic stops. If you don't want the cops enforcing these laws. Take the laws off the books. Just take them off the books. If you don't want speed limits enforced or car registrations enforced, take them off the books. Well, that's not the issue. I think the issue is we need to have more training and stuff like that because it's pretty clear that the majority of officers, unless they've been out there and working, doing the right thing for a decent amount of time or they've picked up on them skills themselves you know it doesn't seem like the academy is doing too much how long of a program is it 12 weeks you know i'm uh, pretty sure that may, but then we have a one year on the job training program uh, but look do you really have to teach people not to commit crimes well that's not if there was no crime you wouldn't need a police department you know See, i think, I think you're right. on. we need more training and we do more education but it needs to start in the homes. With oh, the absolutely. Parents. But but again, typically, whose kids are riff raff and troublemakers? Career criminals. Look, I, yeah, look, career criminals. If you career, you grow up around, guy, you I arrested his son. That, I arrested yeah. his grandson. Of course you did, and, and I bet you that kid's son. Uh, it's the family five, business. Yes, yes. Again, we're talking about a small percentage of the population that commits crimes. Yes. And a small percentage of the police who are really bad at their job. Correct. My question, though, is, is this more about race or more about your socioeconomic status? Because I would have to guess most of those 422 white people that have been shot by the cops this year probably didn't live in Beverly Hills. Probably not. Right. These are people who, for whatever reason, because here's the other thing, Jim, I figure if you guys were just shooting white people for no reason for traffic stops, that would be on the news every night. That would be yeah, top. Look, I mean, that would be, okay, they right. just shot little Timmy Smith. He's 17, just got his license. He went to show his license. The cops got, I mean, that'd be huge news. So when we talk about those 422 white people, those are bad people. Those are people who have chosen to. I would assume. I'm and again, assuming. I I'd yeah. love to I'd love to claw through some files and 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 sort of see because I've asked that question for a long time. How many of these white people that are getting shot didn't do anything, or or you know it was some sort of mix up or whatever? I find that your socioeconomic status is directly related to the proportionality of you coming across the police. I live in the suburbs. I, I'll be honest. I ha don't think I've seen a police officer other than my neighbor. So, I mean, and he's a lieutenant, so he wears clothes to work. Um, I'm glad because if you go naked, that's a crime. right? Yeah, they, and they enforce that here, which is great. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen an actual police officer in uniform in about three months. Really? Honestly. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I, the store. I, I'm still I not 100% out of the house down. right now, but yeah, yeah, well, hey, you know. But I'm just saying, I mean, I, I don't interact with the police very much. I choose to interact with the police. I call yeah. my buddy Jim Fahey. I donate my, my time to charities where, and again, very often the police are involved in those charities. Most of those guys are like Jim. They're good people trying to do a job, trying to make a living, trying to get a pension so they can live a good life. I think, again, the biggest problem that we're running into is that people who are poor or people who don't have, because it wouldn't be fair to say, I mean, there's certainly um, gang bangers and drug dealers and, and other people who are making decent money through criminal enterprise. Again, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where 
the cops come knocking on the wrong door to serve a warrant and you've got a drug factory in the house, you're not opening the door, right? You're probably going for the AK. We're going to have to shoot this bad boy out tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's what we're talking about. So again, it's, this isn't like a day to day. And I, I mean, again, Jim, I've never felt, and I've, I've, I, I don't like when I, like they're out there hunting people. What? No, most of these guys want no part of that kind of stuff. And I think when you, because again, how often, Jim, you said you never fired your gun on the job. Is that correct? Not at a person. I had to dispatch a few animals, but never at a person. Yeah, I was, I'm lucky. And look. 27 years. We'll take into account his location. He's in Maine. I hate to, I really hate to be this person. But even if he was in Hartford, like where we are, he that that would not be his reality. Like you know, and I cops in New York City that spend their whole career and never fire their weapon in the line of duty. So it does happen. It's just it's a larger ratio of that crime happening in the in obviously the metropolitan areas as opposed to opposed to Maine. Now we had in my 27 years there were three police involved shootings. Um, One officer was shot. Uh, in the head and the hand, he survived. Uh, and we had, uh, of the three shootings, I think uh, two, two, one survived and, and two did not. But in all those cases, those people picked up weapons against the police. Two were white, one was black. So, I mean, yeah, we, it, it's the same everywhere. The risks, the, the, the dangers are all the same. It's just they get 5 million calls in New York. We get 50,000 in South Portland, Maine. So, I also kind of just, like, want to go back real quick. Joe, I hate to call you out, but you were talking about, like, your interactions with the police and how you never see cops or anything like that. And I think just honestly, like, you need to thank your privilege for that one because I feel like even if we had Rob on here, that's not – it's not even my reality. I have encounters with the cops all the time. Like, you know what I mean? It's just – that's just so not true for anybody that like lives outside of that bubble. You know what I mean? I think yeah, obviously so like in the city you're gonna see them more often. Yeah. But. So so listen, I get that. Um, I've been in situations where even without Jim's help, cops have let me go because of my whiteness, and I appreciate that. And I and I do thank my privilege. Uh, Jim, I was, uh, I had a, a, a live wire wacky tobacco in the car once and the cop was like, get along, son, get along. Well, um, you need to come to me cause that's legal here. You can d- go down your local car and buy it. <laughs> go Maine. And after, Again. After wearing a 35, 40 pound gun belt around my waist for 27 plus years, sometimes it really helps my back pain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, again, see, why not decriminalize stuff like that? I mean, it's, (laughs) again, well, you guys did. I mean, and and we, we've, we're close here. What do we, we do medicinally? We decriminalized it. So now it's like, if you get caught with it, like you're not going to jail for life because genuinely like three months ago, if you got caught with it, you were screwed. It was considered a, it needs to catch up. I mean, I know it's, it, it was always Maine's biggest single crop. Even even ousting the potato because it was it was grown illegally. Now it's it's grown, it's regulated, um, and and the stores are doing well. You got to be 21 or older. I can tell you, in, in my years of law enforcement, I had knocked down drag out fights with a bunch of drunk guys. I never in my life had a fight, a physicality or a physical altercation with somebody that was just smoking marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Those people aren't really that uh, combative, are they? Yeah, I don't mean they're not really fighters. <laughs> hit the drive-through on the way. Right. <laughs> Do you take so, them? I mean, but listen, in, in all honesty, look. I said, did you take them? Do you take them to the drive-through? You know, there was a couple times that I did because they Iconic. had information I wanted. I said, hey, look, I'll tell you what, I'll get the burger fry. Tell me who did this burglary down the street. They'll never know where the information came from. Sure. Of course I did. That's iconic. <laughs> I'm telling you, Victoria, if you are, and again, I mean, I, I used to see this guy literally in uniform and actually he would come by the radio station. We'd hang out and we'll get too into the, the cool stories, but uh, just, I mean, to me, again, it, it's it it really. I mean, I was uh, I was twenty five years old and a, and a new father, and yeah. you know, learning my way in the world. And and you know, one of my first friends in this new town I was living in, this new state, was a policeman, uh, and a really good dude. And and again, I mean, you know, I went and did some events with the Maine Association of Police because 
I have a lot of respect for the police. Yeah, and and again, uh, you know how I feel about you. I I'd, I'd do it tomorrow if you asked. I mean, that's that's. I mean, to you me, look, pop I, it up, no lie. I I have always been a big fan of the police. <laughs> uh, you need the police. You know, when when shit hits the fan, there's one call you're making. It's nine one one. We're an insurance policy. You hope you never have to cash in on. Yes. That's all we are. Yeah. And I'm fine with. I would just as soon to spend my career going. Driving around, buying lemonade lemonade stands, shooting hoops in the park, walking a beat, and never, ever, ever having to take out my ticket book or my handcuffs. Unfortunately, society doesn't allow for that. Mm. Yeah, and lots of good things happen. My current girlfriend I met when I was on the job, she, when I was, she's just a young cop. She had a car accident. She ended up marrying a, a friend of mine who died in the line of duty. And, and you know, 12 years later, we, we picked right up where we left off of uh, that friendship and then it blossomed into more. So great things can happen on the job too, you know. Love that for you. That's beautiful. A romance story of romance. That is so beautiful. <laughs> on that note, honestly, I just want to thank you one last time for being on with us. It was a pleasure. I hope Thanks that everybody me. can get some new insight on some cops. Maybe. Do you have any platforms that you want us to shout you out on? Do you want? Do you have like an Instagram or something? Nothing. I just jam. No, I don't. I, I don't do any of that. It's my daughter. I, I don't. I'm on Facebook, but that's all I do. And and I I don't really push any agenda. I I do work locally. Can I plug my station? Of course. All right. I do the news uh, Tuesday through Friday mornings, 92.5 and 96.3, the big jab out of Portland, Maine. Give us a listen. You love all sports radio. So he's great. Shout man. out to he Jim. He's great. <laughs> shout out to Diane. Thank you. Loves Yay, it. Diane. Shout out to Diane. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch us on clovercrestmedia.com slash divided we stand we're on apple Podcasts. we're on literally everything twitch youtube if you want to switch it up switch up the platform every week give us a new one you could do that anyways thank you so much for watching goodbye peace thank you